0: Welcome back to another episode of Positive Productivity. This is your host, Kim Sutton, and I'm so happy that you're here to join us today. I'm also thrilled to introduce our guest, Eamon Rooney. Eamon, I got that right, right?
1: You certainly did, Kim. A pleasure to be with you today.
0: Fabulous. Thank you. And thank you for being here. Eamon is a business and executive coach from Business Pathfinder. Eamon, I want you to go into more detail than that. But thank you again so much for being here.
1: Not at all, Kim. Not at all. My pleasure.
0: So where? how did you get started?
1: A long circuitous route, uh, which started when I graduated from college as an engineer and I shipped myself all the way over to Japan for my first job. Uh, And a week into my job, I realized I didn't want to be an engineer. And since then, I've been trying to figure out exactly what it is that I want to do. (laughs) and my journey along along the path is uh, i worked from an engineer all the way up to becoming a ceo uh, and as part of being the ceo i had to turn around a, a number of businesses and that's when i learned really how business really works it's all about the people and not the rest of the things are are it's necessary but people are the essential element in it and i've kind of fell into coaching uh, when I was looking for something to do when I moved out to the West Coast where uh, my now wife uh, was living at the time. <clears throat> uh, well, she grew up in the West Coast of California. So I moved out to be with her and I was looking for something to do. And um, somebody suggested I get into coaching uh, and I'd never heard of it before. So it was a pleasant surprise to hear that somebody actually, no, well, there was a whole industry around teach helping business owners or teaching business owners how to run their business more effectively. When I just gone through this whole turnaround process and realizing what I was taught didn't always work. Uh, so it was, uh, a delight to be able to help others not make the same mistakes I made and help to see the mistakes before they see them and help kind of negotiate around them. They still have to make their own mistakes. Uh, because that's what the experience is all about, but at least some of the major ones we can avoid.
0: Oh my gosh. Amen! I, I would not have a podcast if it weren't for all the mistakes that I had made.
1: Yes. Yes. And I, I, I I've discovered our relationship with mistakes, uh, really determines a lot about how successful our businesses become.
0: Absolutely. And there should almost be relationship coaching for corporates, right? Like, not just relationship coaching between significant others, but Abs-ness. more of a more of a relationship coaching. Well, f- oh, I, I know there's corporate coaching and executive coaching, and that helps with being better managers and leaders and getting along with your team. But I think there needs to be sometimes an even bigger emphasis on that. How do you feel?
1: I absolutely agree, and I hadn't really. thought thought about it as specifically relationship coaching but essentially that's really a lot of what I do in terms of help first of all helping the the leader owner uh, corporate executive understand who they are first and how they show up in the world and how they're perceived because that then can alter how they present themselves which as we know when you smile uh, people react differently than when you have a frown yeah and helping them understand how they show up allows them and then also how their people that they're working with are showing up so they can kind of adapt so that communication happens more effectively is really at the heart of what i and what i do
0: have you ever noticed that you can smile when people are least expecting it or have you ever had it happen to you maybe i should say and people just look at you confused oh. Why are you smiling? I love doing that. By the way, like people will cut me off on the on the road when I'm driving, and I'll smile and wave at them, and they're just so confused.
1: Yes. Like, no,
0: go ahead. You know, if it's that important, I I can't say I'm always like that. Full transparency, okay? That is not always my reaction, but I love the reaction that I get in return when I do do that.
1: I, I know exactly what you mean. Uh, sometimes in talking with with clients and prospects, they'd be describing an area of challenge for them, uh, and I'll start chuckling uh, mainly because been there, done that, and I know exactly where they're at. Uh, okay. And I kind of have to catch myself and apologize for chuckling, so so they don't feel I'm disrespecting where they're coming from. <laughs> uh, but I do find myself doing the same kind of thing, just chuckling, is yeah, mm, and they're a little bit surprised by that reaction because they're expecting the usual sympathy.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I often find myself saying, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because I understand so completely.
1: Thank you. Because Do you mind I... if I borrow that one?
0: Oh, please go ahead. <laughs> yes. I mean, I actually choked on my coffee this morning doing that with one of my team members. We were, we were okay. Full disclosure, because I don't think either of these families are listening. We were sharing family stories yes. and she was sharing a story and I choked on my coffee. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing with you because I totally get it. Yes.
1: Beautiful, beautiful. I think that when we kind of help people understand where we're we're thinking, it kind of lessens the, you know, what I've discovered is a lot of people will take things personally. Uh, So when you explain where you're coming from and it's not directed at them, then they kind of lighten up and kind of uh, relax a lot more. And they're not expecting to be, Attacked, I guess. Their, their, their fences are not so high. So it's easier then than to have a, a deeper conversation.
0: Right. I agree. Have you heard the expression, not expression, uh, regarding authors? I've heard people say that authors often write the books that they need the most. Have you heard that before?
1: Could you repeat that? Authors write the book.
0: Often, authors often write the book that they need. The reason why I brought this up was because I often think, even myself as a coach, I coach on things, on subjects and on strategies that I needed five years ago, because it's mm-hmm. it it's all the learning experience. Um, my cat, Fame, decided that she needs to be part of this conversation. <laughs> Positive productivity, folks. You think you get all the cats out of your office and then there's one hiding.
1: There you go.
0: But yeah, and Do you see that often in in your experience as a coach as well, that you are coaching on subjects that you knew and you struggled with or learned from in the past?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, Certainly. I I mean, I, I I published a book last year and and as I went back through it, I realized a lot of this, what I was talking about was the journey I was taking at the time. Uh, And a lot of the people that I, I talk with when, They, you start talking with them and you you talk more about their business and all of a sudden a little mask drops and they get really passionate about certain aspects of their business. And they're the, they're the parts where they really, really light up. And I got really curious as to why those parts don't show up more often. And it seems to be that the parts that they're struggling with are the ones that they focus on and not the parts that they really enjoy that they focus on. And so similar with, uh, other professions that, you know, the frequently the, the accountants whose books isn't done or the, the cobbler whose children have no shoes. I think it's the same sentiment that's been passed down that we all have our struggles and the one that we're working on is the one that we tend to want to share with the world the most.
0: I completely agree. I want to apologize to you and listeners. While you were chatting, I hope you didn't hear it. And this doesn't have anything to do with coaching, but for future podcasters who are listening, get your cats out of the room. <laughs> one of them was on one side of the door and the other ones were on the other side of the door and they were meowing back and forth at each other. Wow. If it's, yeah. You know, we learn from, from everything. And I know that doesn't have any, I apologize so much. That doesn't oh, have no. anything to, to do with what you were just saying, but. How did you exactly become introduced to the coaching profession? I know you said somebody told you you should become one, but did it feel like anything when you were introduced to the profession?
1: It was uh, essentially what what happened was I I was looking around for for some jobs, so I'd posted my resume out on on uh job boards, monster, etc. And somebody called me up and said, uh, "Have you ever thought of being a coach?" and I was never heard of it what is it uh, so they explained a little bit more and I, I got more excited it turned out they were uh, trying to sell me a franchise however I got so uh, enamored with the idea of coaching that I, I did i I bought into the franchise uh, and that got me started in into the world of coaching and it was a completely different world altogether you know you I spent all of my life in corporate world in different parts of the world and then I step into this coaching world where it is smaller businesses and it's just completely different way of thinking that it took me a while to readjust where I was coming from and how to relate to people who didn't have the same language that I was taught and that was a huge big adjustment yet I could see when we would talk and I could f- you know get the right language that would they would understand then things began to make sense for them and that that was a really really beautiful moment at least feeling that what i had to say and the experiences i had could help somebody else uh what what they're struggling with you know will i won't i and i just explain how i faced a similar situation or what i did is that the same for you and They kind of make a decision based on that.
0: I had a client who's a coach, and I don't know that I've shared this on the podcast before, but most of my clients, I would have to say 95% of them are business coaches. Mm -hmm. I do automated marketing for them. I had a client who encouraged me to become a coach early on, and I actually said, I can't coach. I talk too much. (laughs) Do you, what are your thoughts about sharing versus guiding in the whole coaching process?
1: Oh, what a beautiful question. Lovely. Uh, certainly, I love to learn. And then there's an enthusiasm to share what I've learned when I see that what I've learned could help with the particular situation we're in, what they need to know. Uh, and Certainly at the beginning of my tenure as a coach, there was a lot more telling than asking. And over time, I began to realize that when I'd ask, people would do more stuff when I'd ask questions than when I tell them what the answer was. So I've learned to spend a lot more time thinking about what it is they're actually saying and finding a good question that helps them move in a direction that's going to be more beneficial than where they're at. And it also encourages them to take action because it's their idea, not my idea. However, I do love then once they've kind of figured things out, explaining the principles behind how they got there so they can do the same decision again. So I've kind of found a hybrid where I can stop talking, but then When they kind of, the light turns on, I can then share some of the principles that they allows them, you know, so I get to share what I love to share, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: I love it. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: Sometimes I, well, I can look at how I talk to my children sometimes Mm. and I will ask them, what could you do or what should you be doing or how could this have been different And they look at me just completely puzzled. And that makes me think about my earliest coaching relationships with my coaches. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. Help me out a little bit here.
1: Yes. Yes. And that would
0: puzzle (laughs) me because I would, I would feel frustrated because I would feel like five minutes had just, you know, been flushed because I don't know. That's why I'm here. So I love how you have meshed them. Thank you. On behalf of clients, thank you. (laughs)
1: <laughs> it's it's an ongoing effort because sometimes uh, when the topic is a good topic for me i i have a hard time stopping
0: mm, i hear that
1: <clears throat> yes uh, other things I, I try to do to make it a lot more engaging is i like to draw some pictures little models to help them understand what's going on that they can take and keep yeah. as a reference point so yeah. it allows me to talk a lot more, but they get something then that they can keep and reflect upon.
0: Oh, I like that. Yeah. I'm going to go it's, back to relationship yeah. coaching just for a quick moment. Often, and, and I'm thinking about marriage counseling here from personal mm-hmm. experience, folks, okay? <laughs> Oftentimes, we don't. Okay, actually, let me put in one more disclaimer. My current husband and I are not in marriage counseling. But that leads to what I'm about to say. Often people don't look for that support until it's almost too late, right? We wait and we wait and wait because we don't think we need it. And then all of a sudden something happens and we really need it, but it might be beyond the point of no return. Do you find that a lot of business owners and executives – fall into that same trap as well
1: absolutely and likewise i find it it a challenge at times to reach out and ask for help what what i notice within myself is it's a little bit like that story of um putting a frog in cold water and then adding heat after a while you know the frog doesn't know the water's getting hot and then when it is hot it's too late and it's a little bit like that it's knowing recognizing earlier on for yourself what the triggers are or when you're feeling becoming overwhelmed Uh, and that that is a lot of learning that takes place in order for you to be able to say yep this is not my area of expertise i it's easier for me now to go and get somebody rather than later when we've a lot of cleanup work to do and it's for me it's been uh, it 's getting a lot easier, and it 's a lot more fun when I acknowledge to myself, yeah it'd be quicker and easier just to call up whoever and let 's get it done rather than pretending to myself that i can I can do it all mm-hmm. uh, and I certainly see that with uh, a lot of my clients it 's helping them not so much that they can 't do it, but is it best use of their time to do it right now and I think that 's a lot of it is uh, we want to see ourselves as competent competent. People who can do things, you know, or I'm in charge. I'm supposed to have all the answers. What is it going to look like if I don't? These kind of fears and insecurities pop up. And when they, they've no model, nobody has taught them how to save face, I guess, and being able to step away and say, I need help without feeling that they look uh, incompetent or weak. And uh, I think for a lot of.
0: Do you think that struggle is ever completely gone?
1: No, it evolves into higher levels, you're faced with different challenges that may push you beyond where you thought you were. So that will always be there. However you've evol- you've grown and the type of challenge that you're taking on will certainly always create that sense of anxiety that people may feel about going to the next level, the next stage or taking on a challenge that they haven't done before.
0: Amen. I found that I invested in a business coach before I invested in help around my house. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Like we, we struggled with having our lawn mode. Okay. Simple thing. Yeah, There was just never the time. So it looked like the, the safari out there. I mean, seriously, it was the jungle. (laughs) And then (laughs) at some point it just clicked. Oh my gosh. I could, I could hire a lawn person. To come in every week, and there's no more pain about that. Yeah. Or my current dishwasher is actually named Jacob, my (laughs) 15-year-old. It would alleviate a lot of pain, and this is at the top of my to-buy list, to actually buy a dishwasher. However, the, the parallel to business owners and entrepreneurs and executives is sometimes we don't see the value of the investment. We think that we can keep on going with how it's been going up till now. But Absolutely. using my son as an example, it's like pulling teeth. I could have put a good, you know, expletive in there. It's pulling teeth to get him to do his chore of washing the dishes. But if I just bought the dishwasher that would cut the chore time in a quarter or no, take mm-hmm. out 30, uh, 75% of the time. Don't judge me on my math skills today people and and the dishes would be done so much faster and it, a lot of the pain would be gone and the same goes for coaching and for support and a lot of other areas of our business as well.
1: I love that analogy. Yeah, I, I noticed with my, my own daughter yeah she's a lot younger and certainly hasn't she has her own little chores to do uh, and the speed and efficiency of which she does it is open to question. Uh, yet from my perspective, having her do something is important for her to learn. There's whatever, every job that you have, there's the tedious part. And certainly for business owners, giving away the tedious part is probably the first place they go. However, understanding what that tedium is, why it's necessary, why it's important and being able to recognize when it's done correctly is part of the learning. We need to go through mm-hmm. it may be the first thing you drop but if you drop something uh and you don't know what it looks like when it's done right you leave yourself open to um people taking advantage of you which is uh particularly in the area of finances it's it's uh, ripe in that area where people don't really understand what the work is about the end product is supposed to look like or why they can't read it well enough to know there's something that amiss. Uh, so I've kind of gone a little bit of a circle went with understanding, you know, offloading work to make yourself more productive is important uh, as particularly as the business grows, uh, understanding the work that you're giving up that understanding how quality work looked like and what it's supposed to look like. it will save you a lot of time, uh, training and reviewing those that you pass the work on to and being able to help them grow.
0: Absolutely. There's an expression that I only heard last year and I wish I had heard it a lot earlier. It goes something along the lines of rich people spend money to save time and poor people spend time to save money.
1: Yep. And I found that. Yes, I've heard that one too. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I found it in my podcast and this is not positive productivity, but Mm. I was trying to do everything for the podcast myself from the editing to all the communications and emails and the graphics and everything. And I found that over the course of three months in 2017, I had cost myself over $20,000 and lost client earnings because of the time that I was putting Mm. into the podcast instead of on client work. Wow. Whereas it would have cost me maybe $500 to have a team member do what i was doing oh, yeah that yes, stung that just hurts, a me? little bit
1: <laughs> yes i i'm curious as you started some of this work was it enjoyable
0: yes and no every single episode that i put out provides a sense of pride and accomplishment just mm. because this is the longest that i've ever stuck with any project before and okay. well besides my kids and my husband and that's so not fair. I shouldn't have called them a project, but I think you get what I'm saying. And absolutely. Um, just the fact that I'm able to do it as a mom of five with everything that's going on around here, you know, there's that, that pride that comes along with it. I, I love re-listening to every episode that goes out, except for my, with mm-hmm. guests, I should say. I could, I could go without my episodes, but the editing and the tediousness work. I know I didn't say that right, but that that I could definitely do without. So when I was finally able to get it off my plate, oh, it felt amazing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and I think you are able to recognize when it became a tedious for you. I think a lot of business owners feel they have to do it and they don't recognize the, the cost of it. I mean, you were very, you're, the cost to you versus what you could have paid to get it done. I don't think a lot of business owners think that way Mm -hmm. or examine their own productivity in a way that uh, shows them up as, uh, this is the reality, this is what you're losing.
0: Absolutely. Steve Ulsher in episode 300, he closed out the episode by saying something along the lines of, you can spend your time or you can invest your time. Mm. And I was, by doing everything myself, I have to say I was spending my time. Who have been some of your business mentors as you've gone along your journey?
1: Originally, when I moved to Japan uh, and I realized I didn't want to be an engineer, I was working for a Japanese company. So I realized to, to be able to get out of that, that world and, and I needed to learn the language. So I learned the language and I got myself a job at a Swiss company. And there was a gentleman in that Swiss company who seemed to be very, you know, we got on great, yet he's, he wasn't very, here's what you need to do. It was, here's what I'm looking for. And he just let me go and figure it out. Uh, And with that, I ended up building a business from scratch in Japan with his mentorship. And I didn't realize it at the time that he was actually helping me simply by giving me what he was looking for rather than telling me how to do it. And that has something that has stuck with me a lot. And it's the way I approach working with my clients in terms of there's an outcome. It's up to you to figure out what works for you to get there. If you need help along the way, certainly I'm here to help and give you guidance. It's up to you to find your way to get to the outcome. And that has been one of the biggest, uh, takeaways from that particular mentor. The other mentor that I refer to, well, there's two others refer to frequently. <clears throat> um, Peter Drucker uh, and his thinking and how he looks at understanding how a business operates and the going back to the heart of how it actually works, as well as another gentleman, uh, Charles Handy, who's a similar kind of philosopher, thinker, business thinker uh, from the UK. And he's a slightly different take on Peter Drucker, but very similar in in um, approach. So they would be the the two, three main ones. <clears throat> and then I got hundreds of others on my bookshelf right here at the moment <laughs> uh, that I refer to frequently as well but those would be the three that stand out for me.
0: Yeah, I have I have a whole bunch on my bookshelf as well. What are you reading right now?
1: Uh, or
0: maybe a bigger yes. question would be can you stick to one book or are you reading multiple?
1: I tend to read multiple. I'll have a topic I'm interested in and I'll find three or four books on that topic. And I'll dive in and I'll find a nugget and then I'll go to the other book and find another nugget. Then end up taking those nuggets and trying to meld them into something different. Uh, so I, and then I'll get, I'll get the answer I'm looking for or uh, a tool, an idea concept that I can move forward with and uh, bring to my clients and test it with them and see how they react to it. Uh, and then I'll move on to the next topic. So it's kind of revolving research and reading at the same time.
0: I like that a lot. I just got finished reading High Performance Habits by Brendan Burchard. Mm. Have you read that?
1: I haven't read that. It's amazing.
0: It's not an extremely fat book. It's definitely not a skinny one. But I was definitely finding insight and and tools and strategies to use all throughout the book. But I am not able to stick to one book. I try (laughs) very hard. But Yes. Yeah. What often happens in my house is that a kid, because I've switched to reading physical books rather than ebooks, mm-hmm. is that a kid will, yep. a, a little child, will pick up whatever I'm reading for some reason, don't ask mm-hmm. me why, and decide to decorate in yeah. the pages and then hide it. And then when I find it, I, I <laughs> resume reading that one. But I believe that's just feedback. <sighs> For me, actually. I did the same <laughs> to my mother. I would decorate. She was receiving her MBA when I was a little girl, and I would decorate her textbooks. I uh-huh. appreciated that.
1: Oh, beautiful. And I'm sure now that all oh, she can look back with fondness to those moments.
0: Yes, and to the textbooks, because she wasn't able to trade them in at the <laughs> end of the semester. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I,
0: um, I My family has invested a lot into the local library. Uh, just yes. because we have purchased more <laughs> books than I would like to admit due to my child or my children decorating the books.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So have you found a way? I recently uh, purchased an iPad, what, the iPad Pro, so I can actually write on it. Uh, and my daughter absolutely adores painting on it. Uh, and that way then I can capture and keep a PDF of her drawings rather than uh, plastering them all over the wall in the fridge in the
0: Kitchen. I love that. But rather than having to tape pictures on our walls or fridge in our house, um, mm-hmm. we have the problem where they've actually just decorated the walls. <laughs> 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 I'm looking yes. around my office right. right now, and two walls are decorated. And we do such a good job, we think, of, to, of hiding the Sharpies mm-hmm. and the pencils and the crayons. But then- yes. This is so inappropriate. I apologize. But then it's after I take a quick restroom break and I come back out and find that one of them has decorated another one's face with Sharpie that I realized Mm. I didn't do as good of a job as I thought it, but (laughs) such is the life of parenthood and and entrepreneurship when our office is at home. Yes.
1: Yes. Have you ever thought of a space where they can actually go crazy with colorings and materials that are washable?
0: Uh, yes. And they do. they yeah. do also have washable coloring utensils. It's, However, Mr. Clean Magic Eraser only works a certain amount of time before he starts taking paint <laughs> off the wall. So, you know, we yeah. just decided, yeah. let it be. We will have child decorated walls until they're old enough to realize that they cannot. I mean, they know. They know better. They absolutely do. But until I am confident that a can of paint will be well invested and not have to be painted over again, then, Mm -hmm. you know, for right now, especially the four-year-old has drawn family portraits on a couple walls. She even put goatee on dad. So.
1: Wow. Wow. So, yeah,
0: it's amazing. I can't complain. Positive productivity is not about perfection. And sometimes that imperfection comes from beautiful, and they, I really do consider them beautiful pictures of our family that are on our wall. They're just not in a
1: frame. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yes, my daughter, um, I want. I, I asked that question because I gave her a space uh, in the shower with waterproof um, Our crayons and paints especially for the shower so she has her space and she can go in and she can decorate as she likes the problem is then when we go in and have a shower and then stuff starts to wash off she gets really upset that her art and her creativity has been washed away so then she starts starts all over again
0: oh my gosh that's so funny we have bath crayons but they're not the kids they're actually mine because i get ideas (laughs) in the shower all the time
1: oh that's beautiful yes now, why didn't I think of that? Oh, that's fantastic. yes, because
0: I have a yeah. bad habit of dropping phones. I do not need to drop another iPhone in the shower, so and that's where yeah, I would normally awesome. record ideas if I'm out and about. But for the shower bath crayons, amazing!
1: I that's fantastic, and certainly I you can write it in a, a space where it won't be washed off so easily. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I like that idea. Oh dear, yes. <laughs> you might just have
0: to tell your daughter that the blue one <laughs> I <do>. is yours.
1: Well, <laughs> will, I will. Yes, I'll do that. I do that. I like that idea a lot. Capturing ideas and being creative and not losing them. Part of the, the art, I guess, of staying creative and being productive is when those ideas come to you, how do you capture them? And then how do you validate them against the reality of what you're facing? Because sometimes the ideas can be very, very, oh, I love this idea, and then I try and test it against the real-world situation I'm, I'm thinking of, and I go, mm, okay, it gets me some of the way there. It's not the perfect solution that I thought, but it's a step forward, and sometimes that's enough. That step forward.
0: I have a big issue where I do get ideas when I'm out driving or about to go to sleep, mm. and it is that active recording, and I, I don't know what Joke the universe or God is playing on with me some days because it always seems to be when my phone is dead and I can't find a pen <laughs> so i'll I'll create a song, you know, like a sing song because I'll be on the way yes. to the daycare usually to pick up my kids when I come up with the idea, and I'll have yeah. to come up with a song to go along with the idea just to preserve it, hopefully, I have to say I've lost quite a few. But that's okay. They moved on and maybe somebody else is acting on them. How do you keep yourself from acting on too many ideas?
1: I write them down. I draw them. I try and draw pictures of things connecting together. Uh, Or I'll write all the ideas down on a piece of paper and imagine how they fit together. Uh, Different ideas, different words. uh, And I'll, I try to visualize it so I can, for me, I like pictures. I'm then manipulating the picture to see how it can fit together much easier. So that I got stacks of notebooks just filled with notes and drawings that I've then taken. I move and evolve into something that, oh, that works. And then I'll, I'll use that. So it, it's a creative process I get, I guess. Um, I've kind of just learned, if I, if I just th- leave it in my head, it disappears Mm-hmm. and if I write it down I can come back to it and sometimes I surprise myself with how smart I think I am I go what did i write that wow that's pretty cool <laughs> I hear that
0: but what if what happens when you come up with an idea that is completely not relevant to what you're working on right now are you able to cast that aside or do you find yourself trying to work on it nonetheless
1: yes there is that temptation to get uh, the bright shiny object and I, over time, I've learned to focus my, I, I guess, internal questioning around the challenge or problem idea I'm trying to develop at the time. And I keep anything that pops up, I'm constantly trying to see how does it fit. And if it doesn't fit, then would it help? And if it doesn't, and if it seems like a good idea, I'll write it down and maybe come back to it. Quite frequently, I've discovered some of those ideas are mere distractions uh, either i'm beginning to feel something uh emotionally deep emotionally and this is a way that my mind is trying to preserve my sanity i guess or safety or sense of it feels like some of these ideas might be a threat and i've learned that sometimes uh, to ignore those ideas because there's something juicier there that i need to dive into and my habits have been to avoid some of these uncomfortable uh, areas. Sometimes that happens, and I've reckon i I need to to assess whether the idea is one that's just purely creative out of the blue or one that's gonna be a distraction taking me away from what I really want to <clears throat> dive into and get come to a resolution about.
0: Listeners have heard me talk about two other podcast ideas that I've had since I've launched this podcast. And I've gone so far as to actually have a logo designed for one of them. However, after getting that far, I realized, what are you doing? You know, you've got your hands full with this one already in maintaining client work. Do not add something else right now. You don't need something else right now. Yeah, it's a constant struggle.
1: Yes, and, and for me, I've, that's for me is a signal as to why do I want to go in this direction and not stick with the one I'm in. What's what's wrong with this one? What what's what's it bringing up for me that uh, potentially is a challenge? Uh, I've learned to recognize anxiety is a signal I'm about to learn something rather than something I need to avoid. Yeah, and that's been a that's <laughs> been a long struggle, get, getting to to that point where I can just say, "Oh goody, I'm going to learn something here," even though I'm feeling nervous, anxious, and worried about something. It's like, oh, goody, I'm going to learn. It helps me push through and find what it is I'm going to learn, uh, rather than what I used to do, which was avoid it and find the easy path uh, and avoid the uncomfortableness or the pain. I don't know if that's, uh, you've had a similar experience?
0: Actually, I was about to say, I'm going to borrow that. Wow. No, I find that I'm often chasing multiple ideas when I'm in scarcity mode. Rather than sticking with one thing and seeing it through to it working, you know, maybe just tweaking it a little bit. Instead, a whole new idea will come up. So I'll desert what I was already working on. Right. Yeah. And go to something new. But, and I, I'm actually writing a book on this called Chronic Idea Disorder. But the problem with that book is that it's still stuck in my head because I have all these other ideas. Right. So when I when I said earlier that you know authors write the book that they need the most. Yeah. yeah I need this yeah. book. I don't know how yes. it ends yet, which is why it's still in my head. Oh. I might never know.
1: Maybe if you just start. Very true. You'll create some ideas that could be used uh, in your current, uh, in your podcast now, or in other areas of your life.
0: Yes. Maybe yes, I may am be- getting better, considering i I mean just one of those podcast ideas that I was just talking about was just last week, <laughs> so <laughs> the fact that i that it's only taking me a couple of days now to say no and that's crazy, maybe i yeah. am getting better
1: yeah Or are you, you're you're recognizing those other obstacles to overcome first before you can distract yourself with something bigger and better,
0: absolutely. Yeah, I have projects. Well, like this book, I've been telling listeners about it since I launched the podcast. But there's a couple other projects that I've been talking about since I launched the podcast. But what I realized was, and I have to thank one of my coaches for bringing this up to me. He said, "You know, I saw that I, I I'm watching what you're doing, and I can see that you are working on 12 different projects right now. We need to cut a lot of this out." Mm-hmm. And get you to finish one at a time, so it was cut back to four, which yeah. is still three more than yeah. it probably should be. But I get bored easily. Same, with, I mean, even if my kids weren't hiding my books, I can't say that I would <laughs> only be reading one at a time.
1: But yes, yeah, I I certainly have had the when I take on you know for the year. Here's my projects. I've learned just to know there's one theme for the year. And, and that's it and then i may break that down into a specific set of projects for the first quarter and then try and keep it uh, you know at three no more than three but they're all linked together so i'm not working on completely different things uh, and that and i have to the theme for this year for me is discipline is is maintaining discipline and just focusing on uh the core projects that need to be done rather than get excited about other opportunities that may distract me from the core projects or what I feel is important to move the business forward and reminding myself constantly. Uh, you now, is this going to move me in the direction I want to go? Is the first question. Or if, it, if it's not, then stay focused, stay disciplined on what you need to be doing or what I promised myself I would doing more, more precisely. And that has helped me eliminate a lot of, Extraneous stuff that would be interesting and exciting, yet doesn't really help the business or my clients in in terms of moving forward or making progress. Uh, and it certainly has helped just to go. Ah, oh, okay. I don't need to do that. I can keep it in my parking lot, and I can always come back to it at another time.
0: Amen. I might have to borrow that, listeners. Just so you know, we are recording towards the end of March two thousand eighteen. As <laughs> of, well. A minute ago, I didn't know what my theme was for the year, and I had been struggling with that because I really did want a theme because I knew that I needed something, just that one thing, one thing. Discipline yep. is that word that I was looking for because it's not focus. I'm good at staying focused, yes. but the problem is I'm focusing on too many things. Right. Yep. Thank you.
1: You're welcome. You're well- Believe me, it's it's been a, a long journey to get to the point where I can just focus on one word. <laughs> and constantly remind myself that this is this is the theme. Because, yeah, as you say, life happens. So many other opportunities pop up. Uh, and part of being disciplined is also being disciplined for what purpose? You know, what direction are you headed in? What's it all for? Where are you going? What are you trying to create? What value are you trying to create? Mm-hmm. And being disciplined around adding value and creating value allows... One and myself to shed a lot of stuff that could create value, but not right at this moment. Not in with the the, the purpose that I've created or chosen. This this is what is necessary right now. So it it helps, uh, as you say, make, make keep focus. But the discipline is making sure things actually happen.
0: Right. Yeah. I'm not uh, a fly with you know hundreds of eyeballs. I've got two, and they need to stay in the same direction.
1: Yes, yes, exactly, exactly. And as you travel along the path, other opportunities will pop up, and it's it's a, a judgment call as to whether you feel it's going to help you move in the right direction or something you need to set aside for another time.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, on the topic of providing value, who are you working with right now? And what do you focus on doing with them? Yes.
1: Yes, right now I'm working with a lot of uh Owner-operated businesses, so the owner is is the the person in charge. And and actually, am two things. I'm working with the owner. I'm also working with them to develop their internal leadership teams, or helping leaders emerge from within their uh, within their their uh, their employee ranks. <clears throat> and I don't so much focus on the the you know getting more sales, doing mark better marketing, managing your finances better. It's it's more The people, I guess, the relationship side of things, yeah, the way you described it at the beginning. I guess that's a lot of what I focus on, and particularly the relationship with myself or oneself in terms of how do I lead? Who am I? Um, You know, warts and all, do I accept myself? How am I able to, how do I show up? Uh, And then helping them understand where other people are coming from so that it's not always, uh, well, they should be doing this because that's the way I do it. Kind of thinking. It's easy for us to say, well, this makes sense because it's the way we think. There are other ways of thinking, and helping them understand what they are is a big step towards helping somebody else develop better relationships and being able to communicate better. And as a consequence, productivity, uh, I guess happiness within the workplace just soars when people understand where others are coming from. And it's not always uh, directed at them to spite them or to keep them down. It's like, no, they just, they don't think that way. Some people are blunt and to the point and others need to have a little bit of socialization before they get to work. Doesn't mean he doesn't care about you. It just means he wants to get to work first and that can help break a lot of tension in the workplace. And I guess that's where I spend a lot of my time on helping people understand each other so that they can become a uh, more, the performance of the, the team, the individual can increase. Simply by, they understand where others are coming from, and it's now they can begin to work more as a collaborative endeavor, as opposed to uh, individuals just doing their own little thing and staying out of the way of other people. Because we can't, we have to walk on eggshells around such and such. In a long-winded way, that's what I'm working on.
0: This is just the mom and me, but all I could yeah. think while you were describing what that was, sounds like you are coaching a whole bunch of my 15-year-olds. Pretty much. Yeah.
1: Pretty much. It, it's very similar. I guess we, we, as individuals, as people, we tend to see, we look through the world through our own eyes and we can only mm-hmm. gauge the world on what our own experience is when we understand that other people have different filters, and knowing what those filters are allows you to at least, well, okay, they have their anger filter on, I have my happy filter on, I can see where they're coming from. So it's not me, it's them. And that helps shift and allows us to be more adaptable in the environment, because the environment does control a lot of what we do. And at the end of the day, it's the owner, particularly the businesses I work, the owner defines the environment within which people are working. And that either helps productivity or it de- decreases productivity very simply. So helping the owner recognize what they're doing to cause uh stagnation in, in their workforce is as much a helping them the business grow as it is helping the people become more productive in a given environment.
0: Oh my gosh. And that could lead into a whole nother episode.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes, uh, it, it it it's fascinating. I just uh I, I get really, really excited and passionate about that whole area, uh, working with people and helping them understand themselves. Uh, you mentioned the word transparent earlier. It's all about being yeah. true to yourself and being transparent. Uh, and it takes a lot of strength and courage to do to do that and still uh, feel um, still be a leader. It takes a lot of practice and a lot of a lot of courage.
0: I agree. Yeah, Avon yeah. thank you so much for coming on to the Positive Productivity Podcast. This has been a very enlightening and entertaining conversation. So, thank Kim, you. Thank-
1: Thank you very much indeed. I've enjoyed our conversation. I got a couple of nuggets myself. I'm going to go out and get some bath crayons.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually have to go order some more. Where can <laughs> listeners connect with you online and get to know more about you?
1: Yeah, listeners can connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I have uh, Amon E-A-M-O-N Rooney on LinkedIn and also at bizpathfinder.com. B-I-Z, uh, you can find me there. And they would be the two main places that, that people can find out about me.
0: Fabulous. Listeners, yeah. the links will be in the show notes at thekimsutton.com forward slash pp 3112 Do you have a last piece of parting advice or a golden nugget that you can offer to listeners?
1: I do indeed. And, and it's a little bit related to what I was just talking about in, in terms of uh, productivity or success in, in life is really people's experience of you determines your outcomes. Uh, How people engage with you, how you show up in the world determines whether you're going to be successful or not.
0: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Positive Productivity Podcast. When I'm not podcasting, I'm supporting six to seven figure business coaches with their marketing automation and entrepreneurs like you through my coaching and mastermind programs. I want to invite you to visit thekimstutton.com, to learn how I can help you take your business to the next level.